All right, guys, we're back for another episode of Processing Blue. Scott Fowler, we have a special guest uh, who might be familiar to some fans of, of uh, the Charlotte Turf. We do, Langston. We're thrilled to have Jonathan Alexander with us today. We've, uh, we've Jonathan used to work for the Charlotte Observer and covered the Panthers for two straight years, and now he covers the Texans for the Houston Chronicle. So you really couldn't have a more perfect person to analyze what we're going to see on Sunday. Let me tell you just a little bit about Jonathan. He's a Charlotte native, uh, 2013 graduate of NC Central, an HBCU in Durham. And he has since covered not only the NFL, but he covered Duke basketball. He covered UNC football and basketball. He's covered some news. He is a really accomplished journalist. And Jonathan, uh, we're thrilled that we can have you here today. I'm glad to be back with you guys. Um, It's been a long time. So uh, this was the game I had circled on my calendar, and I'm ready to put out that, uh, that Cam Newton jib. Then I'm back. <laughs> Step back in Bank of America. Shout, shout out to Mallet Creek High School, too, which is a Mallet Creek grad up in Northeast Charlotte. Man, we got to start you out with uh, Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. I mean, Scott and I talk every week on this show, almost every week on this show. And one of the big topics is the number one pick versus number one, number two pick. They're always going to be, you know, seen together. Uh, obviously, Stroud, 1,660 yards, nine touchdowns, is off to a much better start than Bryce. And nine sixty-seven and six. Just uh, your opinion of C.J. Stroud so far? Yeah, I think uh, C.J. Stroud is a, is a type of guy that if you talk to him, you talk to people around him, he's a type of guy that he loves proving people wrong. Uh, a lot of people have doubted him throughout his life. Believe it or not, and I'm probably going to report this at some point this week. But you know, C.J. Stroud and and Bryce Young have known each other since middle school. They were they weren't they were friends. They weren't really rivals, but they were kind of rivals. And uh, you know, Bryce Young was consistently like the guy, the number one guy um, in that California, uh, L.A. area. And C.J. Stroud was kind of an afterthought all the way up until his his, his senior year of high school when he kind of proved uh, to people that he could compete with those guys. So he's always been kind of thought as the the guy behind Bryce Young and, and, and D.J. Uh, I can't pronounce his last name at Clemson. Ukulele. Yeah, ukulele. All, all in that same class. Um, and CJ was always number three to those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he's always been a guy who wants to prove himself, prove other people uh, wrong and prove himself right. And he's doing that and he's having a big time year uh, in Houston, exceeded expectations. He's top 10 quarterback right now, the way he's playing. So I'm taking um, that you guys were surprised by how well he was able to come in immediately and, and, and play as well. Oh, absolutely. From the standpoint of the Texas didn't have many pieces um, as far as like their offensive line, uh, they were down to four third string offensive linemen uh, those first th- those first three games. Um, they only had one starter, and they've since gotten those offensive linemen back. We weren't sure about their wide receivers. Uh, and they got some new guys, and they're relying on a rookie Tank Dell as well. But those guys have exceeded expectations. But a lot of people credit C.J. Stroud uh, for you know he came in the beginning of the year. He really wanted to make a connection with those guys. Uh-huh. Um, he's been throwing the ball. He's He's super accurate with the football. He, uh, you know, he's a, a precision passer, and that's ideal for an NFL. He has, he's got a good arm too, and is a great leader. Became captain first year, and that was earned. That wasn't given, um, and he's earned the respect of his teammates, and they love him. Interesting. Um, you 
Yeah, I've seen Bryce and C.J. Stroud around each other, too, in Kansas City when I covered the draft this year, and it was interesting to see. I didn't realize uh, quite what you said, that you know they've really known each other since middle school, but they have an easy relationship with each other. It seems like they have uh, – you can tell they're friends, and they've known each other for a long time. Uh, but there are some real differences in the two. Uh, starting just if you if you line them up next to each other and and C.J. Stroud's height and you know his just sort of uh, powerful uh, sort of look to him. Can you talk a little bit more on the field specifically what he has done well this season and what he still needs to improve? Yeah, I, I would say what he's done well is really been able to hit. He's been able to make every throw on the field that you can think of, whether it's the deep pass or intermediate, he excels in intermediate pass. He hits people in stride, he anticipates throwers, and he hits them at a position where only the receiver can make the throw. And that's ideally what you want from a from a quarterback. Uh, I was talking to uh, Dan Orlowski and he compared him to Joe Burrow. He has like Joe Burrow like accuracy and and uh you know not many quarterbacks can say that. And and his receivers <laughs> his receivers love him compared to what they were uh, dealing with last year and Texans led the league in, in turnovers last year. Um, this year, they don't see shot has only one interception. Um, so that, those are the things that they're limiting the mistakes, um, that they made last year. And, and that has allowed them to, to stay in games and, and win some of these games outright. They beat the, the Steelers by 24. They beat the Jaguars by 20 points. Those are two playoff caliber teams. Uh, so he does he he throws an accurate ball and he's getting better each week. Um the thing that he needs to improve on is holding on to the ball. He he tries to extend the play and um that's what you should do, but sometimes he takes unnecessary sacks. So he did that early in the year. He led the league in sacks, uh a lot sacks taken uh through the first three games. Since the offensive line has gotten better, he's got the ball out a little bit quicker, but he still has a tendency to hold on to the ball a little bit uh uh, law sometimes, and D'Amico Ryan mentioned it. Brian Burns, and I, I know Brian Burns well. He, he can wreck, he can wreck games. So, um, you know, there's that opportunity there. So CJ Stroud, he definitely has to get the ball out. Joe, I have a two part question. Um, had the Panthers selected CJ Stroud, would the Texans have jumped on Bryce? And what was the evaluation they had of Bryce then? And what's the opinion, the opinion you're hearing now from the Houston people about Bryce? Yeah, I, I think. Um, you know, based on my reporting, the, uh, I think Bryce Young was the favorite uh, among even the Texans uh, coming into that draft process. Um, D'Amico Ryans had a knowledge of, of Bryce Young, uh, being that he has a great connection with Alabama. He went to Alabama. Uh, he thought highly of him. Um, the Texans really weren't even in on, on C.J. Stroud until late in the process. Uh, you know, I had a source tell me that it was about two weeks before the draft, and they really started doing more and more research on him when it became a reality that that they were going to draft C.J. Stroud. Um, and then they eventually kind of they, – they loved his interview, um, his top 30 interview and what he said. Um, but I, I really think uh, it was kind of like a they got really high on him the last two weeks. I think if C.J. Stroud – if Bryce Young was there, they definitely would have taken Bryce Young. They knew they needed a quarterback. And consistently among the teams – uh, maybe a few teams may have had C.J. Stroud, but most teams have Bryce Young with a higher upside, just given his, what his ability to do. It was always a concern about the size, but teams seem to be willing to look past um, that size and, and go after um, Bryce Young if they had that number one pick. 
Um, I think right now they they say that they you know gl are glad they have CJ Stroud. Not that Bryce Young is is not going to be good because I do think um, you know Bryce Young does need some more pieces, and I think he can eventually be good. But I think CJ Stroud has that swagger, and he has that. He had he he just has something about him that he can instill confidence in his teammates and they like that. And I think he's even exceeded their expectations. Um, because even when they drafted him, they were talking about how he has a lot to improve on and, and now they're talking about him goingly. So uh, I think he's ex even exceeded the Texans' expectations and I think they wouldn't have the draft even any any differently than than how it went. Yeah, I um it is some uh, just remarkable, really, how it worked out, isn't it, Jonathan? Because the Texans were horrible last year. Um, they were three thirteen and one, and had to win that last game, and that knocked them out of the one, right? And yes, hands at the time were were PO'd, I suppose. Is that right? Oh, oh, they were they were livid. Oh, they were livid at Lovey Smith, and because uh, Lovey, because they had a chance. That, that, like it would they they scored a, on a, a fluke touchdown. Uh, Davis Mills told me, and I was the only one to interview Davis Mills that 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 day. He said I, I just threw up a prayer, like he, he said he prayed and just threw it up, and it kind of fit. The, the Colts defender barely missed it, and it fell into the hands of Jordan Aikens. And instead of going for one to tie the game, they decided to go for two. Lovey put two fingers up, and they went for two and got the two point conversion and won the game at the end. And, and that dropped them down to the number two pick. And uh, and at the time, it was like number two, number the difference between number two, one and number two is not going to be that big of a difference. And fans were livid. And, and they were like, you can choose who you want to with the number one pick, uh, which is true. Uh, but it turned out to, to work out in their favor. First. Yeah, we, we had some players even say, like, I'm sure glad Lovey went for number two on that. <laughs> right. Why? That's one of them. As if they had stayed at one, then they probably would have ended up with Bryce Young, unless the Panthers had made the trade, of course, with the with the Texans. And now the Texans are three and three, a record the Panthers can really only dream of uh, <laughs> at the moment. Um, you know, beyond C.J. Stroud, Jonathan, what do you think some of the keys to this game Sunday at one p.m. are? Yeah, I think it's gonna. Specifically for for both uh, teams, I think whoever can get the most pressure off on the two quarterbacks and disrupt them, um, you know, C.H. Stroud when he gets, and particularly like when stopping the run, like the Texans have an issue with running football. They they haven't figured out their running game. It was their strong suit last year, um, but Damian Pierce averages below three point yards per carry, and you know that's not going to cut it. Um, you know they they predicate their offense based on a, on an effective running game. Um, and it just hasn't gone through, which is remarkable how C.J. Stroud has been able to overcome it. But you can kind of see last week when they didn't have their running game going, um, C.J. Stroud kind of struggled there in the second half. Um, so both teams have to establish the running game. Um, both teams have to get pressure on the quarterback. Um, you know, I know the Texans are going to be watching out for Brian Burns, who can wreak havoc in the game. Um, they've protected pretty well, but C.J. Stroud has, like I mentioned earlier, has a tendency to hold on to the ball a little bit longer. And I think the Texans really want to get after Bryce Young. You know, they've struggled when they haven't got pressure on quarterbacks. Um, and Desmond Ritter, which was the biggest surprise that I've seen, carved the Texans up because they didn't get any pressure on him at all. Um, he had a career day against the Texans. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if Bryce Young had a good day if the Texans can't get pressure on him. 
Um, it's, and definitely if they can't stop the run. They've done a pretty good job stopping the run. Uh, they're probably middle of the pack in the NFL right now. They were worst in the NFL, sixth worst in NFL history last year, so they've definitely improved that. Um, but they've got to get pressure on the quarterback and they've got to stop running. I think that's for both teams. You don't, you just don't go from 313 and 1 to 3 and 3 in just a short span. It's Panther fans are seeing right now. Yeah, so I think it was a, a, a multiple things. Like, I think, you know, the fact that he played there had something to do with he 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 entered with a little bit more credibility than maybe some other people. But that only takes you but so far. I think I was talking to Jonathan Bernard and some other players and one defense, and they were like, we knew what he did in San Francisco. They're the number one defense in the league. They were dominant there at San Francisco. So – uh, when he came here, you know, they were willing to trust him and trust his word and trust uh, what he could do. And, and D'Amico implemented a physical style of play uh, here at the Texans. They, uh, multiple people mentioned that this was the toughest training camp, most physical training camp that they had been a part of in their career. And you could kind of see it because the Texans led the league in coming out of training camp with the most people on injured reserve. And he had, a, he had 11 people on injured reserve, and that was, uh, I think, two or three more than the next team. Um, but they've got some of those guys back. But, you know, he implemented a physical style and, and, and that's permeated uh, throughout. And he has a lot of he has a lot of energy, and I think they feed off of that. You know, you can see D'Amico on the sidelines celebrating, jumping up and down, huge smile on his face. Um, even Nick Casario said it's genuine. And, and um, you know, it's contagious. Um, you can see a lot of guys happy. One of the things that he did, and I mentioned this in the story I recently posted today, is uh, one of the first tasks he did was he decided to change up the locker. Um, like, it was tough for the journalists because we knew where guys were. They were usually you know, under the Luffy Smith era. They were based on their position groups. But he makes and match guys. And and now you have guys, offensive guys, mingling with defensive guys, and they have a great, much greater relationship. I think previously that lended itself to allow offense players to blame defense players when defense messed up and offense players to blame defense when defense messed, messed up or vice versa. Um, but I think they have a lot of guys have a much closer relationship, and they all mention how they're a closer team when they play for each other. I um, mean, it's easier to play; it's easier to play for each other when you when you feel close to somebody. Uh, so I think a lot of small details that D'Amico Ryan's implemented, along with adding C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson Jr., uh, helped uh, the team put it on the right path, and, and it's the reason why they're three and three right now. So we, uh, I got a question. Okay, so sorry. Go ahead, Scott. No, I always, yeah, I'm sorry, Langston, but it is, the parallels are interesting because, of course, Frank Reich is a first-year coach and also played for the team that he's now coaching. Now, not nearly as long as D'Amico did, but Reich was the very first Panthers starting quarterback in 1995. He's also changed some things around in the locker room. Every coach, I've seen them all, and every Panthers coach and has always changed something in the locker room ping pong table has come and then a ping pong table is gone. <laughs> they had a basketball goal in there briefly this year uh, that was used for horse games. I mean, a little miniature basketball game and that's gone. They used to have a Nerf basketball thing that they had tournaments that they would post up on the wall that Ryan Khalil ran and Cam Newton was very into. That's gone now. But the, the thing that's very different is that the Houston has won three games and the Panthers haven't won any. So yeah. Uh, a lot. I do like what you're saying, Jonathan, about the mixing and matching players. I have not seen that much, but I get it because it's sort of like, 
here's the offensive neighborhood, here's the defensive neighborhood. Oh, you guys didn't do your part. But mixing and matching seems like a really uh, cool move that uh, that he's made in Houston. Go ahead, Langston. I'm sorry. Oh, I, I just had a question for both of you guys. I, I want to hear from Scott why the Panthers might, and you may disagree, but why the Panthers might win this game and then for Jonathan why the Texans might win this game. Or vice versa, if you guys think your team's going to lose. <laughs> Scott, you know, I've picked against the Panthers six weeks in a row, and yeah, yeah. So I will, I will pick against them as I've as I've said until proven otherwise. But I'll say this: uh, there's certainly a chance, a better chance for Carolina Panther fans this week than there are most weeks. Uh, coming off a of bye, they've got Austin Corbett back. I think uh, that'll strengthen the offensive line. As Jonathan mentioned, you know Houston. They, their defense is okay, I think, but it's not. I think the Panthers, maybe Chuba Hubbard, somebody like that, who's going to have to have a breakout game if they were if they were to win. They're probably going to need to rush for 150 yards or something and keep Bryce make the play action stuff work. I think, given the Panthers' sort of slipshod defense right now, I think the Panthers probably going to need to score at least 28 in this game to win. But I think that's conceivable. I think we could have maybe, Jonathan, I don't know if you disagree, but I think we could have a shootout in this one, 30 to 27 or something like that, because I know the Texans can score. But I think the Panthers might be able to put it together and score some points uh, Sunday. What do you think, Jonathan? Yeah, I think it could be a uh, a pretty high-scoring game. I, I think it really depends on whether the, tech, the Panthers can establish the run. I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, you know, uh, the, the Texans are, are pretty good against the pass um, for the most part. The Falcons game was the exception, uh, which I was quite surprised about. But, you know, the NFL this year has been weird. Like Teams have been, you know, bad teams have been beating good teams. Good teams were losing to bad teams. You know, Cal- the Cardinals beating the Cowboys was weird. Texans blowing out the Steelers and the Jaguars, who were seem to be dominant right now, is weird. Yeah, I think the Texans probably win this one, um, something like 27-24. Um, but uh, I, I definitely think it'll be close. I don't think it'll be a blowout. I don't think – I think the Texans are, are, are hitting their stride at the right time. I think they're getting uh, Tank Dell back, which is going to help. Him being out last week um, was definitely felt. They didn't really have many deep pass threats. But I think the fact that the Texans are, are, are their healthiest uh, will probably be the healthiest they've been all year um, is going to help them out. You know, I've seen the, the Panthers playing well. They've they've improved in how they got out to – I read your story, Scott, how they got out to that quick start against the Dolphins. Uh, that would be helpful against the Texans because the Texans don't really have the ability. They, they can come back, but I don't think they can come back kind of like the Dolphins quite can. Um, they just have a next-level offense. Um, so um, it depends on how fast these teams start, whether they can establish – whether either team can establish running to get after the quarterback will determine who will be the winner. But I, I say 27-24, that's my really prediction. That, that, that 14-0 lead in Miami went, by, went away really, really fast. Tyree Hill was doing flips with the camera in his head, and it was just uh, it went away pretty fast. He, no, but, go ahead. No, uh, he's just so amazing. I saw him play in uh, in the preseason. They did joint practices, and he was just dominating the Texans. So, uh, yeah, it's, he, it's, a, it's his speeds are real. He just runs by guys. Even when you had that bracket in safety back there, I mean, he did, on Sunday night he went right past the cornerback and the safety in the corner end zone did some type of weird end zone dance. So he's on his side. I don't know what he was doing, but he's a phenomenal player. 
Um, Johnny, can you just kind of tell Panther fans real quick, like just a couple of the stresses of Houston, a couple of the weaknesses of Houston, things they can kind of look for as they're watching the broadcast on Sunday or if they're at the city? Yeah, I think um, the stretch, of course, is their passing game. Uh, before last week, before the bye week, um, uh, CJ Shaw was fourth in the league in passing yards. I think the fact that they have different weapons that they can get to helps yeah. them out. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not just Nico Collins, who is really good. They have Tinkdale, they have Dalton Schultz, um, Robert Woods, who didn't practice Monday, but I don't think that's going to be too much of a concern. I think they have a variety of guys that they can go to who aren't superstars, but they, they can get open. Um, so it, it helps um, in that aspect. Um, I think they're also really good against pass most times. Um, Steven Nelson is a good cornerback. Um, he's a veteran who I first saw him when I was covering the Panthers and when they played the Eagles and he had two interceptions. Um, but he's been um, their top cornerback this year. And, and they got Jalen Petrie and Jimmy Ward as safeties. Uh, back there, two veteran guys. So uh, against the pass, they're really good. And with the pass, they're really good. The weaknesses, stopping the run, historically, they've been a really bad team stopping the run. And even though they've been better, they still have a tendency to to break, to allow a big game. So, you know, um, that's where the, the Panthers, a uh, guy like Chuba Hubbard or is Miles Sanders playing? I don't know if Miles Sanders is playing. Yeah, he's he's kind of banged up. Um, Chuba had 88 yards last, you know, in their last game without Miles Sanders. Uh, he wasn't did not play in that game at all. But even so, Chuba's averaging like 4.5 and Miles 3.1. Miles Sanders has been disappointing so far this season. Uh, one of the problems, honestly, with the offense. So who knows? Uh, but we do expect Chuba, a little bit more of Chuba Sunday. Yeah. Interesting. The Texans tend to struggle more so against bigger um, running backs. And I know Chuba isn't so much big, um, but um, and, and they struggle against um, offensive lines that, that block really well. Um, so maybe Austin Corbett coming back helps the Panthers a lot. Um, but yeah, so those, I would say those are the, the strengths and weaknesses. Um, you know, they have a lot of different weapons that they can go to. Um, and, and they have big threat, big play threat ability. Nico Collins can take one deep and so take Dells. Well, both of you guys are predicting a high-scoring game. But, Scott, also on Sunday, uh, the Panthers are going to put Musa Muhammad and Julius Peppers in the Hall of Honor. Um, I don't know if that's going to have any emotional appeal to the players, but I'm sure it'll get the fans right up. Can you talk about those two guys? Yeah. They, if, if nothing else, Panther fans will be able to celebrate uh, some – greats of the bygone era uh that yeah. is that's two of the big ones uh julius peppers and musin muhammad were stars here for many years and had some interesting career parallels as well they both played here for a long time were drafted high played for a long time then left for several years and then at the end came back again you know so they they both kind of did a full circle uh and they both played in Super Bowls here. They were on the 2003 Super Bowl team. Uh, Julius Peppers was probably the single best athlete the Panthers have ever employed, even ahead of Cam Newton and Steve Smith. I mean, if you were going to have that old, remember that old Superstars competition? Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. yeah. Multi sport yeah. stuff. I mean, Peppers. I was not old enough to remember that, but I remember that. Yeah, that was, it was, it was low. I'm dating myself there, but Peppers would have been great in that. Uh, he, 
you know, I mean, the guy could do everything. Good gracious, he played a Division One basketball as well. Played in a Final Four as well. I mean, that's that's nutty. And then Musian, of course, was just such a stud. I mean, he wasn't the he wasn't as fast as Steve Smith, but so physical. Uh, made it. You still what stands as the longest catch in Super Bowl history. That eighty-five yarder from Delone back in two thousand three, and. Uh, Two fantastic uh, players, so I think it will have a little resonance uh, with the you know for the team. I mean, these are two of the greats of the of the Panthers' uh, history, and you'd want to not lay an egg in front of them as well as in front of a fan base that's disappointed and wants something good to happen. So that'll be a neat uh, stick. You know, plan your concessions accordingly, Panther fans. If you're in the stadium, this won't be shot on TV much, but. You'll, you want to be there for, they'll probably give a brief speech, uh, and, you know, during the time of halftime. So, so stick, you know, stick around at halftime. Yeah, the Panthers have a new offensive coordinator this week, too, so we'll see if that makes a difference for Bryce Young going against the Texans. But, Jonathan, thanks for joining us, man. It was good seeing you. Um, good luck uh, in Italian Houston. Follow you at John M. Alexander on Twitter, HoustonChronicle.com. Uh, on the on the World Wide Web and make sure you follow Scott follow Scott underscore follow on Twitter and if you watch this show on YouTube make sure you like share and subscribe follow us on Twitter and YouTube and join us next week on Process Hebrew.